0: These swans and raptors can be found in the Skagit Valley. You might see so many that it's hard to
1: keep tally. Thank you for tuning in to Hannah and Eric Go Birding, a podcast by birders for birders. I'm Hannah and he's Eric. We created this podcast to share adventures, sometimes misadventures, and opinions that we have on different birding topics. We're definitely not experts. and Anything that we discuss that might be controversial, I want you to remember their own opinions and they might be different from yours.
0: Well, we are into February. February. February.
1: Oh, sorry, that's the, the old subway uh, commercial oh, for Feb-u-any. the five dollar. Uh, yeah, gotcha. yeah, for the five dollar footlongs. I uh, yeah. gotcha. That no longer exist because <laughs> inflation.
0: Your your head is just full of jingles, isn't it?
1: <laughs> it's it's a little full. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, well, you know, it's been, a a good couple days of, um, rain here where we're at. So we hope you are getting a chance to get out and bird a little bit. And
1: watering your plants. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> um, so uh, just to kick it off with some news. So we just saw this morning about the Smithsonian Migratory Bird, uh, Center. They have now created a bird-friendly chocolate. So we talked with- Bir-
1: Certification. Sorry, they're, they're, bird... they're, Smithsonian's not making chocolate. They're they're just <laughs> certifying farms to say they're being bird friendly. Yeah, following following um, approximately the same practices as the coffee.
0: That's what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. So we talked about bird friendly coffee a couple months ago um, with somebody who from Birds and Beans who mm-hmm. does bird friendly coffee, and now coffee uh, that
1: we're subscribed to and we get every. Every month, I know. A- we're literally <laughs> drinking right now. Yes,
0: um, in our bird mugs. Oh man, we're, we're nerds. both wearing...
1: <laughs> uh, I've, got, I've got a hand-painted mug that's uh, a pigeon that's flying into a bridge, going ah.
0: <laughs> and I have one from Global Bird Fair. There we go. All right. Uh, anyways, moving <laughs> along. So the Smithsonian Migratory Bird Center—they just instituted this bird-friendly. Uh, chocolate certification that is very exciting. There's one farm, well, it's a Mm -hmm. co-op collaboration sort of thing in the Dominican Republic that's providing this. And it's really cool because it is a bunch of um, chocolate farms or cacao farms around a reserve a bird sanctuary, mm-hmm. and so that is the chocolate that's being used um, and processed into chocolate bars.
1: Yeah. So the, fir- the fir- that's the first company now. So this will get the ball rolling, and maybe we'll expand, and we'll finally get that bird-friendly wine <laughs> certification we've been we've all, all been I, hoping for for a that's while. That's All I want. But this this is this is a great step towards uh, s- towards some more ecologically friendly co- um coffee products products yeah.
0: Yeah, so, chocolate this time. <laughs> so very cool. Excited to see more about that as it grows. Um, and then Eric wanted to mention some stuff about eBird and the recent changes on eBird.
1: Yeah, so you guys all um, we we posted it on um, Facebook uh, maybe a week ago or so. But um, I'm super I'm super jazzed about this this new update that uh, you don't you no longer have to filter when you're out birding, um, deciding whether or not is that a released species or is that not a released species because now it does not add to your life list if it's a if it's an obvious release, so something like an escape, escaped exotic, it'll, it'll go on there and it'll be, on, it'll be on your list, but it'll be on a, in a separate category. So it's, it, it, for me, I feel like it makes birding more transparent, easier to like deal with like, oh, it's not going to increase because I saw somebody's uh, chicken or something. And yeah. I'm like, oh, but it's wild because it's been, it's breeding in the wild, but it's still released. It, yeah. So it, there's... Uh, There's some excitement about that.
0: Yeah, and we realize there's a little bit of controversy around it too. And, you know, people losing birds on their life
1: list. Which I, I, I technically, I lost four species. It seemed like a lot. (laughs) A lot. Four. (laughs) I don't know. It, it, whatever. It's, it, it is what it is. And they're, they're released exotics that, uh, are a, established by authorities i guess i, I don't know if it was uh, the bird the council c- the bird council if it was uh, in the clements list or if it was um um IOC. aba yeah. or ioc or what, what organization determined that they're specifically escaped and they haven't been uh, naturalized or if this is a state-by-state basis i didn't actually read that far into it to, to figure out whether or not uh, different things because in california lilac crowned does count in texas it doesn't count oh i can't i can't remember there there was there was something about some yeah so i think it's a state by state based on the um the state's uh rare bird committee oh okay but
0: well i don't know for sure well <laughs> we'll post the article in the show notes so you can find out more if yeah. you're interested in learning more about it and eric will read up on it so he understands a little bit oh about there it.
1: was there wasn't that information in. There. oh okay so i see it's yeah well Anyway, that's any- a
0: question for eBird. It's a
1: question for eBird. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to have. Uh, we demand answers, eBird. Yes, we'll have to have all of eBird on. We'll see if we we'll <laughs> see if we can get the entire lab of yeah, ornithology just to yeah join us to join us for an interview. I don't know if I have enough microphones for that. <laughs> so
0: um, uh, another thing that we wanted to mention is that I had an episode of Women Birders Happy Hour come out uh, between since our last episode yeah, last week. Yep, and I interviewed Sam Wolf, who is a shorebird biologist with Manomet, um, which is a uh, organization that does you know bird research and conservation work. Um, and we talked about a masked lapwing that she found. Hmm. And yeah,
1: so, here in the states,
0: n- uh, no, oh, okay. America Samoa. Oh, all right, I believe it was cool. Yeah, but um, so that's the cocktail of the episode is a masked lapwing,
1: a masked lapwing,
0: yeah so uh you can check that out women birders happy hour anywhere you listen to podcasts
1: yeah so um i'll go go through our upcoming travel real quick we are you guys are be, tired of hearing, yeah, hearing it. it's i guess it's, it's the same there's no updates from the last episode um san diego bird festival in february champions of the flyway in march um elot um to go to cha- sorry champions of flyway march in a lot um Galveston Featherfest in April, um, birdiest festival in America in Corpus Christi, and those birdie. Um, Galveston is in G- Galveston Featherfest is obviously in Galveston. Yeah. They're they're se- they're sequential weeks, so we'll be in Texas for two weeks there. Um, Global Bird Fair over in Rutland, UK, and then International Conference for Women Birders at the end of the year in Uganda.
0: And actually, Global Bird Fair they just really opened up their participant tickets oh, man. so we need to buy those
1: yeah we we got we got our hotel like a year ago yeah right um because <laughs> you need to do that if, if you if anyone's planning on going the hotels sell very fast and most of the good close hotels are already sold out so
0: i know we can't stay at the cool place we stayed at i last know year.
1: We, we 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 booked months ago and we still didn't book early enough to get to the cool place that I'm we wanted to stay i'm
0: kind of disappointed about that <laughs> the king's arms that's
1: okay.
0: Um, so I'm excited I,
1: about this year's place.
0: Yeah. A couple other things I did want to mention. So we are doing a walk on March 11th mm-hmm. with Nor- Lower Nehalem um, uh, Community Trust. Yes. At one of their properties, which is right near where we live on the Oregon coast. So if you happen to be up in uh, Manzanita, Oregon, you know, March 11th, you might join us for a walk. Yeah. Um,
1: and if you don't have binoculars, that's okay. We'll have some spares.
0: Yeah. And also with the San Diego Bird Festival, we'll be doing a couple live podcasts at it. And yeah. we hope that um, we'll be posting them on Facebook as well as posting them later as podcast episodes.
1: Hopefully I can figure out how to make them both live- happening at the time and then also record them so we can release them for people that aren't I- available to listen to them live.
0: So anyways, this technology is gonna, it's going to be a learning curve is, yes. <laughs> for all of us. Um but anyways, we hope you can tune in for the live podcast. Uh we'll be posting that information as soon as we've nailed down some details. But should be fun. I look forward to it. Yeah. Live podcasting, live. our next we're achieving our next level. The next level of podcasting. We get
1: badges. Oh, I see. Yeah. I don't have any badges.
0: Oh. You have, you, have
1: you not been giving me the badges? <laughs> nope. I see.
0: I've been hoarding badges.
1: <laughs> okay, so February Bird Nerd Giveaway. This is the last thing, and then we'll get into the main story. So um, it's February. Yeah. New, new month. Um, every month we're giving away something to somebody for some reason. And <laughs> this month, um, we mentioned it a few minutes ago, but the Smithsonian Migratory Bird Center has bird-friendly chocolate certification now. So we have found a company that sells bird-friendly chocolate, and... We have a, some number of chocolate bar or ours, something to give away, um, to whoever wants to enter, and um, randomly selected winner. What do you have to do?
0: Okay. So it's, you know, Valentine's day
1: uh, is in February, yeah, February yeah.
0: and we bought you chocolate. So <laughs> <laughs> what we want you to do is give us your best birdie pickup line. The punnier, the better. Um, you can st- You can steal it, borrow it from uh, another one that already exists. Like, send us the meme that you found, you know, that you really like that's funny. Um, Of course, credit given. Um, You could make up your own. We're really kind of uh, open to any entries, and you can. we'll post it on Facebook, so you can comment on Facebook, you can email us, um, all those different ways that you can get a hold of us to send us your birdie pickup line.
1: But you got to do it by February 21st, um, and then our randomly selected winner will be announced February 23rd in our episode. And that person will win some bird-friendly chocolate. Some bird-friendly chocolate. All right, so main story. Okay, here we we go. We're into it. We went to the Skagit Valley... Um, Where is that? <laughs> Skagit Valley. So um, the Skagit Valley is in the Pacific Northwest. So it's northwestern Washington, just east of the Puget Sound. So you're up north of Seattle, mm-hmm. um, but not so far north you're into Canada yet.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and so why did why did we do this, sir? So we we saw online um, a, cu- a couple things that um, about snow geese. That this is a really great place to go find massive numbers of snow geese. This is, um, there, there's an important bird area, uh, national, um, national Audubon, um, recognized important bird area, the Skagit Bay mm-hmm. that's just west of there. And the, the valley is the Skagit River goes down in it. it's, everything's called Skagit this Skagit that. Cause there's also s- Samish. There's also Samish, Samish Flats, Skagit Flats. Yeah. all This whole area, it's, um, it's really good. Lots of mud flats. lots of, there's lots of farming. This is, um. When uh, this whole area was just like solid farming all the way across. People realized this soil is super fertile. And it, it used to flood all the time with um, the tides and stuff like that. So you've got lots and lots of nutrients in the soil. So it's a really good area for farming. And so this is actually... I think I think it said 50% of the um, spinach seeds grown in the United States come out of the Skagit Valley. Oh, wow. And then... Or no, it was 96% of the spinach seeds, which equates to 50% of the world's spinach seeds oh my gosh. come out of the Skagit Valley. So if it's you like, like your spinach, it if you comes like spinach, from that area. That's, that's where it's coming from. Um, but I, I thought that was fascinating. Was just, there, but there's other stuff, lots of cabbage and other vegetable plants. It, <laughs> it's, so it, it kind of seems like a trend. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a farmer. I'm not an agricultural
0: yeah.
1: Like savant. I don't, I don't know stuff about <laughs> agricultural farming. Agricultural savant. <laughs> but... The, a lot of the things. Look, looking down the list of stuff: um, the cabbage, the spinach, the um, and I'm,
0: other draw, vegetables. I'm drawing
1: a blank on the other ones that were specifically mentioned okay. um, in the Skagit Valley, but they all seemed like they were like the watery vegetables. So the vegetables that have a lot of a lot of water, like spinach, is like when you cook when you cook some of these things down and cook cabbage down, it like kind of shrivels and wrinkles down to nothing because yeah. it's got a lot of water in it. Yeah. So a lot of these vegetables that are going to be very water heavy. So there's there's a lot of rain. This is a very wet area. Oh, is it? I don't I don't know. I don't know if you're familiar with the Pacific Northwest, Hannah.
0: Oh, but. I know. Dreary but it, it rains. rainy days.
1: It, it rains, the tide comes in, it's it's all it's all there's a lot of water. Okay. And so this whole area is spectacular because it's not only is the soil super fertile, so it's always historically had a lot of plant growth and stuff like that. Yeah. Um it's also strategically located right next to a bay. Mm-hmm. And with a lot of mud flats there. Um there's deltas fertile soil mud flats all that stuff it's really far north and all of this together creates this like perfect storm of like attraction for waterfowl shorebirds and just overwintering birds that are coming from the north so things like um swans and geese and all all these birds that the breed way up north breed Mm -hmm. up into uh, up into canada up into the um alaska alaska all that stuff they Come down. This is as far south as some of them. This is as far south as they come. Mm-hmm. Snow geese is just like a really good stopping place, and then a lot of them do overwinter there. Yeah. So it's it's a really a really good place to draw massive numbers, and it's a big, wide open area. That's it's developed as farmland, but it's not developed like cities. So yeah. it's it's fairly open still. Which we found out when we were trying to find some coffee. Yeah, there's not not a lot of places to get coffee up there. Yeah. But yeah, so we went up there to go find those.
0: Yeah. So um, they have a lot of information online about going up and looking for the snow geese up there. Um, You know, the websites say that there's an annual count of like 50,000 snow geese Mm -hmm. that come through and and overwinter in that area. And most of them come from Wrangell Island in Alaska. Uh, that's where they breed in the summers, hmm. and you know, which is a UNESCO World Heritage site. So, so
1: UNESCO World Heritage site all the way down to an important bird area. Exactly,
0: that's what I was <laughs> going to say. You know, so that's that's kind of the goal for a lot of conservation is protecting the places that these birds use. Yeah, the and... stop
1: the stopovers, the breeding location, the overwintering, and then the birds protected.
0: So a lot of the, the DMOs, the um, destination marketing organizations, like, mm-hmm. you know, the Chambers of Commerce and things like that in that area, they're doing a great job of um, promoting birding, which, you know, shows the value of those areas to birders, but also shows the value to the farmers of keeping, you know, their properties so that snow geese will you know, continue to, to go there.
1: Yeah. I don't know if there's a lot besides like paving it over that they can do to stop the snow geese from from, from, from getting onto their property. That's true.
0: Yeah. You know, putting some parking lots in there. Yeah. Um, So anyways, the snow geese in Wrangell Island, they started to decline years and years ago in the seventies, but since all the conservation work, you know, their populations have started to recover. And there are some some key places like in uh, the Central Valley of California where mm-hmm. we actually went and saw like tons thousands of, of them last of them. year. Yeah. Uh, there's other places like that in Canada that they also, you know, <clears throat> overwinter and go to that need protection as well.
1: Skagit Valley, tons of snow geese. An awesome stopover location, but it's also a really good spot. It's it's known it kind of, in the Pacific Northwest, this area is kind of also known for Falcons. So you can in a single day, you can go out and get five species of falcon: um, peregrine, um, Merlin, kestrel, prairie falcon, and ger falcon. So we didn't see that many. We we saw peregrine, Merlin, and kestrel. Hey, oh three no, no, out sorry, of... we saw Merlin, kestrel, and prairie falcon. We did yeah. not see a peregrine, and we did not see a ger falcon. You know, three out of um, five isn't a bad. Three day. Three out of five is not a bad day. Yeah, but um, but yeah, it's it's a really good spot, and and it's a lot of a lot of the falcons. They're they're hunting like rodents and stuff like that. Um, peregrines are hunting other birds, but um jerk falcons too but it's just because there's so much like so many birds in this area that it's like oh well makes sense that there's going to be raptors around to do it and speaking of raptors there were so many bald eagles oh my gosh yeah oh my gosh this is we've we've been we've been up to um, southern canada yeah and um tons of tons of eagles there the further north you go the more eagles there are the more bald eagles there are and like you go down down into California and Texas and stuff. It's like, oh, you get, like super exciting to see one or two eagles. And it's like, oh, that was an amazing day. You <laughs> And we, first first stop we had in the morning, there was...
0: There was like eight. There was like
1: eight. that were just like flopping around, doing their thing.
0: Well, so, so. I want to get into Anyways, yeah. going there a yes, little so bit. Let's so let's ba-
1: ba- back up before the eagles.
0: Yeah. So um, like Eric mentioned, you know, there's not a whole lot out in the Skagit Valley. and. Other than like farming and mm-hmm. you know residents and things like that, um, and so when you, you look at the eBird map, it's like where do we find the snow geese? Like I had a lot of trouble like clicking on sites and trying to figure out like the most recent sighting of these birds, mm-hmm. and it really reminded me of birding at Zaxxon Bog, uh, oh, <clears throat> when oh, we yeah, went there yeah, a couple years ago. That, yeah. So if you go to the the website that we were looking at for most of our information, I think it's Birds of Winter. We'll post it in the show notes. Yeah. But they show like a map, like a grid. Of the the roads in like it's like a ten by ten mile like grid or something. Yeah, like it's that. The,
1: it's bordered the bay two, and two different rivers, and then I five yeah. is like this uh, big square yeah. of an area.
0: And so it's basically like the birds could be anywhere in this section is where you're likely going to see them. And then it has a couple locations designated as like these are key spots that mm-hmm. they might be. But a lot of it is is really on your own and just kind of driving around looking for them, yeah. which was what we did at them a lot yeah. when we were up there. Of course it, you know, it's pretty cold. So it's not like you really want to, um, walk the 10 miles to, <laughs> to try to find these birds. Uh, but you know, just getting into it when you go, if you go do this, uh, that's the reality of it. And there is, um, like a burning festival that is, it's sort of a burning festival that takes place over like all of January that's over on the weekends. And so they have some tours to go see things. They have a couple talks. Um, hmm. but if you're interested in going and participating in that, you know, we'll, we'll post it in the show notes so you can check out more about it. Um, but it's also very doable on your own. Just be aware that you gotta think in advance for like coffee and stuff like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, what we did to go up there. So we, we left Cannon beach, um, after we'd finished cleaning rooms for the day. Yeah. Um, so we weren't planning on birding in the Skagit Valley that day anyways. We, mm-hmm. So we drove up, and there was actually a, um, a rare bird stakeout, uh, a common crane, up in Grace Harbor County, which is, like, two-thirds of the way there yeah. from here. it's so on the way. It's, it's, it was on the way. So we, we we swung by there, and we pretty pretty easily found it. It, it was that just go to the named road that was in all the hotspots and it was hanging out with a whole flock of, uh, Hill cranes. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty far away from the road, but yeah.
0: Oh, totally. We needed scopes to be able to see it. Yeah.
1: But, but, but very obviously a common crane, the black neck and all, all that stuff. So it's it's pretty, pretty darn cool. So we, we got that, got a couple, got a couple photos, um, since it was on the way, it was not, not any kind of extra time driving out of our way for that. Um so then we headed to McMinimans, which is the hotel that we stayed at. Um yeah. uh, the Anderson School up in Bothell. And we've talked about McMinimans a number of times. Yes. It's a, it's a
0: it's not a chain, it's a group of hotels and restaurants that are in the Pacific Northwest. It's all
1: it's all owned by a single single family, so yeah. it's
0: but it's really it cool chain? It's really cool because they take old location, old, you know, properties and revitalize them into these really cool like pubs and lodges. Like the one we stayed at was an elementary school mm-hmm. um, that has been turned into a hotel and pubs and stuff like that. So it is one of our favorite places to stay and eat and drink. Good food, good
1: beer, comfortable beds. and, and They and didn't
0: pay us to say that. We had to actually pay a lot to stay there. Yeah.
1: It, well, and speaking of pay a lot, like, Hotels are just expensive. I like, know, like, and we own one. Yeah, I know.
0: We should charge more at ours.
1: We should, but um, <laughs> the they're 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 expensive. But McMinniman's yeah. is they're not more expensive than anybody else, and you get like the extra perks. I know. With, like, I just look on, at the the on-site restaurants, like multiple restaurants on site, and the beer and all that stuff. It's
0: just hard because I look at the price of our rooms here at our hotel, I know. and it's like so much lower, <laughs> and it's like. I'm justifying paying a weekday in January <laughs> I'm paying that much money. Yeah. But yeah, that's just me. My willingness to pay. But um, I'm willing to pay for that.
1: Yeah, cuz it's it's good. So the next morning we we get up and it was about an hour it, we, we were still almost an hour away from the Skagit Valley. Yeah. Um so we got up before sunrise, headed up north to go find the farm fields. Um we looked up on the the um on eBird and found a bunch of different hotspots like Hannah said. So we start just driving these rows. And by the time we first get into the area, it was probably like 15, 20 minutes after sunrise or so.
0: It was like 8.30 when we started e-birding.
1: Yeah. So we we get there and First Liz didn't have a ton of birds on it, but they're... Or it didn't have a ton of species, but there was a ton of birds. Yeah. And that's where all the bald eagles were. Like, that first that first spot, we had, I think, 12 bald eagles on that first first checklist. Yeah, and a
0: lot of pintails, mm-hmm. um, tons of shorebirds that were, were kind of far off, and they were doing, like, you know, the murmuration flight pattern sort of yeah. thing. So um, we didn't get a complete ID on they, all they, of they were, them.
1: They were peeps, either least or western sandpipers. So they were the little guys, but it was... A whole murmuration of them, though, was pretty distant.
0: Yeah, um, American Wigeon, mm-hmm. uh, we had 70 of those. We had 10 Tundra Swans, which, you know, we're, where we live, we're, like, right on the verge of swans. Like, yeah, we,
1: there's some at the north end of the county.
0: Yeah, exactly. So we don't get to see them a whole lot, so I, I love seeing the swans. Very cool.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. And um, so all those birds, but no geese. <laughs> no geese, so it was like, all right, well, let's let's keep moving. Let's, yeah. let's, see, let's see if we can find another spot. So we, we we drive keep keep driving do a couple more loops around and then we found um we actually came upon a, a ringneck pheasant.
0: Yeah, that was like they like
1: ran across the road in front of us.
0: Um but we ended up at this hunting site. Uh, which is samish flats West ninety is the ebird hotspot, mm-hmm. um and that place does require that you purchase a parking permit yes the a- d-
1: the discovery pass, which you can't purchase there, yeah, yeah so i th- i think if, if if everybody remembers i'm I'm not sure if any i I think we talked about it on the episode where we went up and we got a ticket because <laughs> we didn't have a discovery pass, <laughs> yeah, and because it's yeah.
0: i mean well, I love that Washington has
1: the discovery passes.
0: Um, because they're useful in so many different kinds of sites throughout Washington, but it is a pain to find a place to buy them.
1: So if you're already rural, it's difficult to get them. You're, you're kind of, you're kind of, uh, out of luck. luck. Yeah. Um, but state parks, you can buy them at state parks. You can Mm -hmm. buy them at like the Fred Myers, which if you're from the East coast, they're called Kroger's over there. But, um, (laughs) you, you can... You, you can buy them at a number of different grocery stores and then um, a lot of the sites, if they have a headquarters, you can buy them at the headquarters. But places like this, this is just, it's a hunting area out there. Yeah, it was the just Discovery, a, a You have to have over. a Discovery Pass to, to park there, but you can't buy a Discovery Pass anyway.
0: I think it's called a Discover Pass. Discover? Yeah,
1: one of the two. One of the two. Yeah, um,
0: yeah so. But
1: but they're not expensive. They're, they're relatively cheap and you just, they, they give you access to all these different parks.
0: It's like $10 a day or $30 for a year. Yeah. Just like.
1: Just buy, a year, just buy a year and remember to bring it in your car. I know.
0: We bought a year, yeah. but we forgot. We
1: did not bring it in our car. So yeah. we spent very little time at this um, spot because well, we...
0: Also, it's a hunting area. And so there were a lot of people... And it,
1: it was a hunt day too.
0: Yeah. There were a lot of people duck hunting. Um, like geese hunting? Swan hunting? I don't know. Uh, anyways... Hunting okay (laughs) waterfowl hunting they were hunting at the site and so we didn't you know want to walk through that area so we just kind of stood in the parking lot for a few minutes and uh waited and no snow geese but lots of mallards starlings red winged blackbirds uh not a whole lot of ducks surprisingly
1: I, I, i think i think the skagit valley is also a really good place for mallards oh yeah like if you're not like most places in the in the country you can go and get mallards like everywhere but yeah. there are so many mallards and i, I think it was mentioned in the um, important bird area that mallard is one of the, mallards and <laughs> widgeons are like some of the like um, the important birds of the area that's funny which it's like all right well mallards are kind of everywhere but there are a lot of mallards yeah here and they're all they're all wild mallards it's not like uh the the domesticated the domesticated farm farm ducks they're wild mallards and there's a lot of them so
0: from that site we continued on to Samish Flats to that's the place where you see all the falcons Sp- apparently. Um, But yeah, that's a whole mud flat area that, you know, looks like it should just be really good and really full of stuff. When we drove through, it wasn't. Um, And headed out towards Samish Island, which Mm -hmm. is where I want to retire, because it is (laughs) gorgeous. And a lot of really fancy houses out there that we'll never be able to afford. Um, But we drove through there, you know, because all these hotspots said snow geese at them at some point in the last week. And so we were just kind of going in between those sites, trying to find them. Um, no snow geese that we saw out there, but there was one spot that had a great view of the, um, the bay or the inlet there. Mm -hmm. And that ended up being like an amazing birding spot. We stopped, um, next to somebody's house and they seemed a little frustrated about that. Uh, but we walked over to the, you know, edge of the highway to look over at the the water and, mm-hmm. you know, scoped out a couple of common golden eyes, mergansers, uh, gadwall, wigeons, American and Eurasian wigeons. Um, there was a great blue heron there, you know, spotted tohi was kind of digging around near our feet. It was <laughs> really, really nice birding spot.
1: Yeah, so great. It was. It was. It's like an overlook. So like this whole area is just super low and flat, and then this island, this Samish Island, is like an elevation change. So you, you go up like thirty feet, forty feet, and you're up on an island. Mm-hmm. And then you and then we, so we came back off the island, um, started started driving around,
0: headed to Fur Island, which was like on the southern edge of that map that's on the website. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was maybe like a thirty minute drive to get all the way to the the south. Part of that area, but Fur Island was another place that snow geese had been seen. Yeah, and of course, it also just required a Discover Pass, so we kind of just burned Stayed from near the, the parking lot. Yeah. Um, it was empty. You know, we were there on a weekday, so there wasn't a whole lot of people doing the same thing. But there were a couple people that we kept passing by their car. So we, yeah, it, like Zach Sim. You know, when you're looking for the great gray owl, yeah. like you, everybody's you just kind of driving this, the same area.
1: You keep seeing the same people, um, and so we there was there was a couple snow geese at this at this spot. They were really hey, distant,
0: no, no, you can't say it like that. So you gotta say, we finally found some snow geese, yeah, they
1: were distant out there on the ground, just kind yeah. of feeding,
0: <laughs> and we were like, that's not three thousand,
1: yeah, but also that was like like there was nowhere to get any closer. There was no roads closer to them, so it was like, okay, well, we saw some snow geese. let's we'll we'll, we'll drive around. We'll make another loop back up through. The whole region again, the whole, the whole valley.
0: Well, we were also like, let's go get a discover pass. So this isn't an issue anymore. So we went to the state park that's in there and the headquarters was all closed and everything like that whole campground was basically closed. Mm -hmm. Um, But they did have a iron ranger that we could get a discover pass at um, in the, the like parking lot. So that worked out (laughs) that we were (laughs) able to get that, which we didn't end up needing the rest of the day.
1: Yeah. But you know the, conservation. Yeah, you know we, we we paid for it. Um, but so then we headed from 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 the state park parking lot area. We headed up back up to the northeast and found those birders that were just on the side of the road, and we was like, you know what, let's stop and see what's going on with them. See see what exactly they're looking for. And it turns out they we had just barely missed it by like five minutes. Yeah, but they had been standing there, um, um photographing a short-eared owl. I know that was uh, playing around in the grass. It was hunting. So short-eared owls are diurnal, diurnal owls. They hunt all during the day, um, but they're sensitive to wind.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: we got when we arrived, the wind had just kicked back up, so the um, it ducked down, and it was just hanging down in the grass where we couldn't see it. So it was there. We just, we just couldn't see it. Yeah. And the guy was like, oh, I'm going to hang out here for a little bit longer. So we talked with him for a little bit about uh, short-eared owls, and this is like a regular location for him and, and all that stuff, so... Unfortunately, we did not see a short-eared owl. No,
0: but <laughs> and we missed, you know, a, the, some of the key falcons that we wanted. That when we were standing there talking <laughs> to the guy about the short-eared owl, he's like, in last year, a jeer falcon came and perched right on that right telephone on this pole, pole right here. We're like, come on. <laughs>
1: But that was a whole year, so we we missed it by an entire year. Well, so I don't feel so bad about that.
0: I know. I was just hoping that <laughs> that miracle would happen again. <laughs> um, yeah, but, you know, we were kind of feeling down. Like, we missed the short-eared owl. We hadn't seen the huge flocks of snow geese. We didn't have the falcons that we and, wanted to get.
1: And the wind had just kicked up, and it was starting to rain. So I was like, you know what? Let's let's go find somewhere to warm up. Let's Let's call it, and we'll just...
0: Well, you know, it'll it'll be okay. I was like, let's, let's look for Falcons one more time. We weren't that far from where the Falcons were on the Samish Flats. Mm -hmm. And so we drove over there, kind of parked, you know, in like a gravel, little gravel next to a
1: big excavator that had been doing some like ditch work or something.
0: Yeah. And we were like, let's just wait a few minutes, see if any kestrels or anything pop up, you know, that we can get a look at. And then I see off in the distance. It was like the, what was the song that you wanted to sing? The, dun, 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 Well, it was like the Flight of the
1: Concord <laughs> yeah. or like, like, it's like this, uh, if, if everyone's ever seen the movie, uh, um, Twister. Yeah. Um, the 1996 movie Twister with, Well, everybody's
0: uh, seen that with Helen Hunt. Yeah, Helen Hunt. And Bill and Pullman. And,
1: yeah, exactly. So there's a scene where they're, um, they're all at the diner and, um, Bill Pullman's standing outside, and he's like running the running the sand through his hands, and he's looking at the sky, and he's <laughs> like, "Ah, it's, I see it. I smell the storm coming." I should be
0: filming all this um, for you guys.
1: It's so he, he's he's standing out there, and then he's like, "We gotta go," and that's exactly what this felt like. So we're standing, we're we're sitting in the car, and off in the distance, you see like the a line of white all across the horizon, and it's like. There the, they are. There they are. And then it was. It was on. It was just. It like like I said, just like that movie. They they start. They all bust out of the out of the driveway, kicking up dirt, and then they're playing the flight of the Concorde, and like playing playing some like uh, like just loud music and screaming and woo, yeah, all this excitement, and then they're like cutting through fields, and I this, mean, we're just driving on the road. Like, this is gonna be really... at, the, at the speed limit down to where they were going, but
0: it's going to be really niche. But if you've been to the Rio Grande Valley Birding Festival and you've done a para trip, and you know, you're just kind of dinking around driving through Highland and looking for parrots or parakeets. And all of a sudden you hear them out of the car. It's like, it's on. That was the same. Feeling. It, was a, it was
1: the same. It was the same feeling. So it's like we, after, after hours of driving around, trying to start, trying to park parking here, parking there, trying to figure it out. And, we, got, we found them. We saw Suddenly. them. And they're on the horizon. So we start heading that direction. We take a left. We take a right. We take a left. We, we're, we're we're making all these turns through through these different uh, farm roads out there. And we find them. We find them. They're, it looks like they're coming down. It's like, okay, that field over there. They're coming down into that field. So yeah. then we f- find a wide spot. We park. And thousands, thousands upon thousands of snow geese. They just kept
0: coming for like... Half an hour. Just
1: like this noise, this cacophony of noise coming, coming over you. We're we're right next to the power lines and they were like using the power lines as like the point where they suddenly dive. So they, they're coming in kind of low. And then as soon as they pass the power lines, they're dropping to the ground and just filling this field.
0: Uh, Asterisks. The power lines did have the like little yes, tags on them, that's so true. birds can see them more easily.
1: That, 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 that is true. They they had the mar- markers all along them, which n- normally you see the markers around uh, airports, airports and stuff like that, so that uh, so that p- planes can. It's more. It's a FAA thing, but. Um, all the, the power lines throughout this whole area are all just dotted with um, the visibility markers. Yeah. So it was, its kind of interesting that they've, they 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 its obviously been an issue. Well, and um, it's
0: apparently working. And so the it must be helping
1: in some at some level. But yeah, they're they're coming over the power lines and then boom, just dropping, and then this field is getting louder and louder and louder.
0: That was the amazing thing is that like the first group I don't know was maybe like 150 birds mm-hmm. that that came, and you know as we were approaching as we were driving towards where we thought they were going to be yeah, and then just seeing the group land right next to the field where we had started off our day. yeah,
1: It you was a very, the very field that we started off had those 12, 12 bald eagles had all that <laughs> stuff first thing in the morning. It's the, the very, very same field.
0: <laughs> um, anyways, watching that group grow, you know, over the like half hour or whatever, um, yeah, about half hour or so that we just sat on the side of the road and watched. Like I, I was trying to get videos of them coming in because you would look over towards the bay and it would just be these huge waves. Like as
1: far as you could see, it's just waves and waves of snow geese coming yeah. from out on the bay somewhere or out, out ac- across across the bay, maybe from over Victoria or something, but they're, they're coming, coming across.
0: Yeah. It, just watching this grow and grow in this field was an incredible sight. It was, you know, I, I have a lot of friends that have posted videos of going up there and seeing them. Mm-hmm. And it was exactly like what those videos were, you know, you can start off as a little group and then just grew and grew and suddenly took over the whole field. And like Eric said, it was just this, the sound of them.
1: Yeah. In it was the just field. louder and louder and louder to the point where it was like, we're just like yelling, sta- standing a couple feet away from each other yelling to be able to hear each other talk
0: yeah and you know there were a number of people that stopped on the side of the highway
1: too and i don't know if they were birders or if they just a lot of them i don't think were actually like purposeful birders that had come out specifically for because they're just like holding their cell phones and taking pictures of the whole thing or <laughs> videos of it with just with their cell phones and none, none, there wasn't very many other binoculars out so was, i think some of them just incidentally happened upon it and they're like oh my gosh or they saw us and they're, they're
0: like what's what's going on here <laughs> maybe um, and you know, snow geese aren't like an unusual
1: species that we don't see. Oh no, it's just, seen, we see see. I mean, we have, we have a, a group or one that's one. hanging out with a greater white right front here in town. Yeah. So they're it's, not, they're not a rare bird.
0: No, it's just to see, you know, the mass of a species like that is just incredible. It can be a huge, you know, I, I like get excited when I see like 50 robins in the, the field downtown and it's not yeah, like no. robins are rare for us or anything, yeah, no. but just to see that mass amount of species of an individual species species it's just so cool and to have you know on the horizon just endless amounts of snow geese coming through it's just it's a really unusual sight
1: yeah so su- super cool I, th- I think i think worth it it took it took some time to find them it took yeah. some time throughout the day to find them and, and we and we, we earned we, them we, we were pretty frustrated um and we like, like i said be- before that flight of the concord started playing and we started screaming <laughs> and, who- and whooping and hollering and everything um, just before that, we were a little frustrated, kind of about, about ready to give up. Oh yeah. But no. I mean,
0: it was cold. It had started to rain. Oh, I mean, it, overcast, like we were like, there's, it was, no, it was there's getting
1: no birds up here. It was getting uncomfortable and like a little bit of rain is fine. You go out and deal with the rain for a little bit, but it's just like, it was just the whole day of just oh, like cold, on, windy, rainy. It's like, uh,
0: we put on like three or four layers, which I didn't expect to have to do, but yeah. I'm glad I had it.
1: I mean, it wasn't. Minute by minute wasn't miserable. It was just like just the monotony of like, oh but it, it was all worth it. Yeah. It, it was it was good and I, I had a I had a great time watching these snow geese come in and just come in and come in and come in. I know. <laughs>
0: that was amazing. Yeah. And you know, it, it totally made sense after seeing that whole thing happen, that spectacle of look you know, after seeing that then the whole eBird thing made sense that like people you know that they move, obviously. You know they're birds and they're migratory, and yeah. they they go where the food is and everything. But why you can drive around that whole area where people are seeing five thousand here and five thousand here, like yesterday, and, none. and then, yeah, and that was like part of the frustrating thing is like where are people seeing these birds? Yeah. And
1: then well, and we were getting hungry because it was it was just past lunchtime or right around lunchtime. Yeah, and we we're like, oh, I'm just I'm hungry. I'm tired. I know, but it was it was good. So. So we saw him, and I forgot all about being hungry at that point. And so we 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 actually had been talking about okay, well, we're just going to go down to Whidbey Island, um, cut across, and then go back go back that way and get lunch on the way. Yeah. And we completely forgot about food. Like it it was just so exciting. It was like oh man, was, ah, was just mind-boggling all these all these snow geese. So it was like you know what? As we, we start heading back, and we we're just talking about it, how cool it was, and all that for well,
0: like, and. Our next target. So we found that, and mm-hmm. we're moving on to our next target, which was Ancient Miralette. Yeah, we and, wanted to get those yeah. And those are seen up in that, um, like on the west side of, of Woodby Island. Yeah. And so that was kind of the, the re- rationale why we went that way back, uh, which Woodby Island is just absolutely gorgeous itself. Um, but one of the spots that they are being seen at, the Ancient Miralettes, was Libby Beach Park, mm-hmm. um, which was, I don't know, maybe an hour drive from where we saw the snow geese or so? Maybe,
1: yeah. It's, it's just kind of like... It, it, we, we came up, I-5... And then we were gonna cut around to the west and go across Whidbey Island and go across a ferry, and then it drops us off basically right at our hotel. Yeah. So it was. I guess it was almost an hour. Yeah.
0: Um, But yeah, that Libby Beach Park, we stayed there for like maybe half an hour or so. Mm -hmm. But scoping out stuff, it was just fantastic. Like the weather had improved a little bit. Where we were was a little bit more secluded. So it It was. It was like in a little cove
1: almost. So it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. wasn't so windy. The sun was out. And so when the wind, the wind was still blowing, but every once in a while when the wind would stop, you'd be like, oh, that's a nice warm sun. Yeah. Um,
0: (laughs) But yeah, lots of bufflehead just right off the the overlook that we were standing Mm -hmm. at. Surf scoters, western greaves, horn greaves, common murs, marbled mirrorlets. Marbled mirrorlets. But unfortunately, no ancient mirrorlets. No ancient mirrorlets. But really cool spot. You know, I would definitely go back and, and spend a little bit more time scoping stuff out there. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um. So we, we it was it was getting late. The sun the sun was starting to get low. So I was like, you know what? Let's let's just let's let's go. I'm. I, th- I think at that point I was starting to get hungry again. Okay. <laughs> um. So I was like, let's let's just go back to the hotel. Um. So we headed back, and the we fa- went
0: all the way down to well
1: to the point southern end. Um. Of of Woodby Island, and there's a uh, ferry. Yeah. That takes you across. Um. Which is kind of fun, but um, we, got an, we got an inside row, and they kind of, like, I don't think you're allowed to get out of the car on that ferry. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, I'm always confused which ferries you can get out of the car and which ones you can't. Yeah. Um, but nobody else is getting out, so we didn't get out. So yeah. we didn't really, it was also getting dark.
0: And it, it's a, com- so that's kind of a unique thing at least I think of unique thing about like that part of Washington, the whole
1: Puget Sound area. Yeah.
0: Is that there's all these little islands that people live on and there's commuter ferries going in between, you know, the different islands. And so people are working and then they live in the other part. And so they take a ferry back and forth. Like my uncle did that when he was working in Seattle and living on one of the islands, which I always thought would be so cool to take a ferry. But also when we were driving down to get to the ferry, (laughs) they had a lane on the side that was like it was like five miles long. Yeah. And it was that like was
1: wait here for the ferry. Exactly. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm I don't not waiting in that, that line. That line was not full when we came down. It we, no. we literally just drove straight onto the ferry. Like, like we timed it perfectly. We just drove drove down the hill straight into the ferry.
0: Yeah. Can you but. imagine though being a commuter and like having to wait in the summer crowd line? Ugh. Ugh.
1: all you're trying to do is get home from work or go to work and you're just waiting in this long line
0: yeah but um you we did have to pay for the ferry so yeah, it, was a,
1: it was a couple bucks yeah. yeah
0: well I'm just thinking about like the one out of Galveston yeah, like, the, that yeah.
1: one's free I, I think some of the ferries are free aren't they I have for, no idea around the Puget Sound I don't know I could have swore some maybe I don't know Anyways. We'll fact check it. So that's an interesting
0: (laughs) thing about the San Juans and the Puget Sound and all that stuff um, that I'd like to explore more at some point in my life. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, we took that ferry across, got into Bothell, which is where it ended up in. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, I don't know, 20 minutes to get back to our hotel. Yeah, pretty darn close. Did that big round loop around that area and saw some some birds. Um, And then, you know, we had to go home the next day. And there were a couple other... um, stops that we wanted to make to get rare birds
1: yeah so there's um again on the on the way there was a rusty blackbird that had been being seen and a whooper swan so we swung by this farm that had so many blackbirds oh my gosh so many blackbirds but like immediately upon getting out the rusty blackbird (laughs) was sitting up on the line so i was like oh there it is so we get there and there's a rusty blackbird with like 200 or 300 starlings and four or 500 red winged blackbirds and some cowbirds and just all these blackbirds because it's it's a farm it's a cattle farm yeah so lots and lots of blackbirds are there stealing the extra feed from uh from from the cattle but it was it was it was awesome I just right there super easy It was like all right this is how it's this is how chases should go you should just <laughs> get out of the car and it's right there and it's no problem at all wow you don't <laughs> like the the effort no the effort's fine too um so then we from there it was it was pretty darn close like. Two miles, maybe, to the whooperswan? Maybe, yeah. Yeah, so we got back in the car and drove, like, the two miles down the road, and all of a sudden came upon... A whole flock of swans. Which well,
0: I felt so stupid because I was mapping it to the stakeout place. Oh, yeah, yeah. where people had been seeing it, and so we were like mapping and like it was like okay, another mile or so, like yeah. go down here, take a left. But um, we stopped. We saw a guy on the side of the road with a camera, and like for some reason, it like didn't even occur to me like <laughs> that's where the bird is.
1: Yeah, it didn't even. He's standing there with a camera, and, and we saw the birds in the field. Ton, tons of swans sitting in that field, and we we're just like, okay, well, I'm just gonna drive around this guy, and then I was like, ah. I'll stop for a second. I know. I was like,
0: Eric, like, maybe we should ask what he's looking at.
1: And I was like, why? It felt felt so dumb. Like why, why would we not just use and, our context clues? Seriously. So it was there. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was in those group of swans right there. So we, we parked, um, got, got some really good video. And if you haven't been very close to swans, which we weren't super close to these guys, like 50 feet, 60 feet, something like that. Yeah. Um, you don't really realize how big swans are.
0: Well, they're also weird.
1: There's, their necks like, are weird? Yeah, looking yeah. at
0: the things that their necks do, <laughs> yeah. it's just nuts. Like, I was taking videos of them, and I posted on my Facebook or something like that. Like, have you ever noticed how weird a, necks,
1: a swan's neck is? <laughs> it's yeah, They're they're weird It's like a birds. snake. But also, they're just
0: huge. Yeah, they and, really and are. And
1: like, I, I've, I've always thought, like, oh, yeah, they're big. They're big birds. Okay, whatever. But when you see them compared to... Canada geese there was a couple Canada geese in this field a couple cackling geese yeah a couple snow geese also so you have three different species of geese to compare against the swan and these swans are like at least double like they're just like these monstrous like behemoths of dinosaurs that are just like wobbling their snake necks around and <laughs> eat, eating seeds and stuff <laughs> and they're huge they are the, the, the whooper is big the trumpeter is big and the tundra like yeah. the tundra is not nearly as big as the other ones but it's like they're just huge. They're just big, giant birds that are just like doing their thing, wobbling <laughs> their necks, eating eating seeds.
0: I was just like looking at them, like, oh, they're you know people think of them as like love birds, L- majestic, or, yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> like watching what their necks are doing. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like no, that there's something wrong with that thing. <laughs> Um but yeah, it was super cool to see the the whooper, you know, yeah. in amongst them. And you know, great way of comparing, you know, the species. Yeah, and can compare, to, compare
1: the sizes of them, which which was which is great. Compare the sizes of the swans to well, each other. And
0: also like, you know, the bills and the, yeah. the actual differences of the species. Yeah. Um, seeing them all together. So that was that was really cool. A couple other people stopped and, and looked at it and mm-hmm. I think a ton of people have gone up to go see that bird. Oh yeah.
1: I mean and they're they're just they're they're on a winter stopover. So this yeah. this whooper's, I think he's been there for, I, th- I think the bird's been there for a couple of weeks, couple months. Well, and
0: there's been a couple of them, um, I at least a couple of them throughout like the Washington like lower BC area. Mm-hmm. Or, or people were trying to figure out if this was the same individual moving between those oh, spots. Yeah, maybe I'm not entirely Who sure knows? what the yeah there's been too many rare birds after that that people stopped the conversation because they were worried about the brambling
1: that showed up in Seattle exactly yeah yeah so speak back back to their back to their size i'm i <laughs> you can't get enough I can't get enough of their size so trumpeter swans they are i think they're the second heaviest flying bird yeah. in the world they're I think it it was Andy and condor is the only bird that's heavier really? than a trumpeter swan and trumpeter swans they're, they're like thirty pounds like at thirty pounds it's like that's like two two of our cats <laughs> two, two of our cats flying around through the air like it is a big animal and it just flies around I know It's yeah, it's yeah so big animal so there there was there was some discussion I saw about uh, the swans about making sure you keep your distance and it's there's i I see two 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 reasonable reasons so you've got the self-preservation okay if this animal is 30 pounds it can use its wings to, to lift up 30 pounds into the air yeah those breast muscles have got to be strong <laughs> and it could beat the heck out of you it just smack you. It, it it was it's like going into the into the ring with mike tyson or something okay
0: now i kind of want to do that
1: <laughs> so that so self- preservation stay away from them because swan smacks swan smacks um but the other one is that it takes a lot of energy for them to fly sure if, yeah. if you get close to them you're, you're probably going to flush them. Yeah, they're more likely to run than attack, I imagine.
0: <laughs> I
1: don't want to see one of those run. I, I don't want to test it, but they're they're more likely to try to try to get away and try to preserve themselves. Yeah. And so that's a ton of energy that they're having to expend. And they're and they're they're doing a stopover right now. They're yeah. they're building up their energy reserves to go back and breed. So they need they need all the energy they can get. So don't don't go up and scare them. Stay away from the fence. Stay away from the birds. <laughs> self-preservation they're gonna get you and they're all their own preservation and on Conservation. That note
0: <laughs> um.
1: Anyways, it was was a great trip. I liked it.
0: Yeah, you know, it was really frustrating when we got up there and we didn't see birds. And (laughs) we were like, why did we do this? But, you know, the snow geese came through for us. And we, you know, that was a really incredible experience just seeing them fly. It kind of also, I'm just going to keep likening this to other things. um, But it was kind of like the waiter spectacular, you know. Yeah, similar,
1: yeah. It's a a spectacular of some sort.
0: It's a geese spectacular. A geese
1: spectacular.
0: (laughs) But thousands of... Snow geese, you know, that's just an amazing site.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we'll have we'll have the trip report for um, eBird in the show notes so you can look and see kind of all the different spots that we went to. And, um, yeah. And, yeah, and we'll post lots of information
0: about um, going yourself if you want to. And, of course, if you have any questions about, partic- you know, going to something like that or, you know, Zach's in Bog or any of that, we're always open to answering questions and helping people figure out how to bird places better.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so thank you guys all for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and or learned something new. Please, please, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Stitcher, Google Stitcher Music. I don't know. Everywhere else, anywhere that you're currently listening to us, you can rate and review us on there. Um, if you'd like to connect with us on the socials, you can follow us at Hannah Goes birding or Eric Goes birding on Instagram. And then everything else is basically Hannah GoBirding or GoBirding or something along those lines. Our email address, um, Gobirding at gmail.com and then our website, www.GoBirdingPodcast.com. Tell us what you like, tell us what you hated, and share with your friends.